are listening to a podcast from Community Radio 3RRR FM in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to the Breakfasters podcast for the week September 12 to 16. Highlights this week uh, include we had an interview <clears throat> with uh, Angie Bradbury, who's the director of the Vic 100 Festival of Wine. That was especially great because she bought us a bottle of wine. She also told us how not to buy shit wine, which yes. was great. Yes. It's a lot of good information in there and how to avoid red wine lips. Mm. Uh, and also we had a chat about strange things that animals have been caught doing. Like a lard. Mm. We also had a chat with Dave O'Neill. He came in uh, to talk about oh, his heyday on Triple uh, R and also his new book, Summer of 82. And we had a little chat with Jeff about how to talk about sport, even if you don't know how to talk about sport. Get around it, boys. Yesterday I after work here yesterday I was driving home and uh, I came off the the Chandler freeway and like on the overpass so on a bridge yeah. kind of thing and there was a few galas standing yeah. on, couple of galas couple of galas <laughs> just hanging out on the railing of the bridge except one of them had was standing on another one's stomach like had him pinned down like what? two legs standing on top of it it was the most, and because I was, was the other one dead? No, no, it was moving. What? But it was just like it was. A, I'm like, what? What is happening? When did Galad start wrestling? When did that become a thing? I don't know. That is so weird. Maybe it was resuscitating it with its little claws. Could have been. Oh, or yeah. some sort of mating thing, perhaps. Where you dance on the person's chest <laughs> first yeah, over a bridge, <laughs> like it, just, it was like the very, danger turns them on. It was. It was like. <laughs> There was a mob of galahs, like mob as in, you know, different mob, like that had like a gang of galahs had this. Galah gang? Yeah, had him pinned oh. down going, where's my money? <laughs> where's my money? You damn galah. <laughs> I don't know anything. Yes, you do. I'm going to drop you over this freeway. Anyway, wow. you guys any seen, any seen anything like my, that before? My friend has a lot of birds that bathe in her backyard and she, I remember coming out the back once and she goes, my God, there's a pigeon that's died there but like splayed out like with its arms, like not arms, with its wings it's and its little head to the side and its little <gasps> legs were popped up and it was just lying in the dirt and I'm like, oh, my God, that's so sad. How did it die so dramatically? Like it looked like it had gone splat into the ground and then, and then we walked up to it and it put its head up and it jumped <gasps> up and fell off. With its little wings out and it's getting working on its tail. And its little legs in the it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah, and it's just like it was almost annoyed that we'd approached it and interrupted its little weird sunbathing. Uh, well, I was just thinking my my cat's um well, it's possible she's getting senile. I think Leanne suggested that when I was talking mm. to her, but she's developed all these strange behaviours. She always had this thing about um cupboard doors. She's obsessed with them. Oh, well, opening, opening them. closing. Yeah. Them? So like I will shut the cupboard door. And then I'll see her creep around and she'll come and just open it again in a very annoying kind of way. Wow. What's in the cupboard? Nothing, Is it all just the cupboards? papers. She just do it to annoy But then also she's taken to sleeping on this one, on, on the bed, on this one part of the bed just near my head. And um, so it, when, if Steph stays over, she gets incredibly annoyed because she can't sleep on the one part of, of the uh, bed. But yeah. it just means that when I wake up, There'll be this, and I'll just wake up, and sometimes she'll just be there staring at my face. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like she's plotting to kill you. 
Or Steph. I can't yeah. decide which one. Who's well, got more of an issue with. say there won't with. be any special food, diet food then after she kills me. <laughs> well, uh, no. <laughs> well, I'm just saying she should know which side of bread's oh, buttered on. Yes. That's true. Keep yeah. me alive. Maybe she just eat your body though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I heard a magpie burp once. No. Yeah. Birds don't burp. Yeah, magpie did. Really? You sure? Because don't they like stuff up all the time? Yeah, maybe. Well, do you know what? I thought a magpie burped. But I heard a very distinct burp once I was at a picnic. I was by myself. The people had walked, you know, gone for a walk and I went, bushwalking, no thanks, I'm going to stay here and eat the eat the pie that's left behind. <laughs> and then and then from behind. Carry on. <laughs> you got no. This is when I was, you know, younger. Anyway, and then... <laughs> And then I heard this did, really did they know distinct. Did you were going to stay home and eat all the pies? <laughs> no, no, I was at the, I was out in, in, in the park. Who in the, ate all the pies? <laughs> the birds did it. <laughs> and then I just feel like if I came back from the bushwalk and I was looking forward to having a nice piece of pie, <laughs> and there was just one no, person no. stayed behind eating all and the ate pies. all the pie. I saved him a little bit, <laughs> and then I blamed it on the birds. Um, <laughs> it pinned me down with its foot. <laughs> But the, honestly, I've heard a very distinct burping noise and I was like, oh, they've come back, someone's come back. Who, who's that? And I turned around and the only living creature nearby was a magpie ah. that was standing just very close Did it by. want some of the pie? I think so. Are you sure it wasn't you burping because you'd eaten all the pie? <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> We're being joined by Dave O'Neill, former yes. breakfaster. I'm back. I'm back again. We're just reminiscing about I'm the here. good old days. I'm just reminiscing about Diet Smart, the the segment that Susie used to do, who works here at Triple R. She's yeah, the best cook. Oh, yeah, she may be the best um, bacon sandwich. Yeah, because you just looked she, at her like a hungry <laughs> dog. <laughs> she's a great, great. I've been to her house. She's a great chef. Yeah, great oh. cook. Um, had a re- good reports from my son about the uh, tech segment. Very happy yesterday with the uh, segment oh, on oh, solar oh. panels. You know, I think about him. Solar e- panels. E- I think about him every time Vanessa's yeah. in. I like, I wonder if Dave's son will enjoy and this. And I know that Vanessa thinks of him every time she thinks of a subject. Well, my son, he's third, and he wakes up and he goes, "Dad, it's tech day today. It's tech day." <laughs> And then you got to be quiet in the car. You can't talk during the tech time. <laughs> but he loved the he loved the solar panel one. He oh, loved it. Cool. Excellent. We should probably mention your new book. Oh yeah, that's right. That's why I'm here. Yeah, it's on, it's on the radio Summer song. of '82. I've written a book about the ten weeks from when I uh, finish my last HSC exam to when I get my results. You know, the, the thing that really jumped out at me reading about Mitchum in the early 80s is when you talk about how everyone you knew was making bombs. Yeah, yeah, well, that's it. Well, we, we, we got arrested for making bombs only because the cop that came to um, investigate was from my dad's scout troop. So dad was a leader and so he was an, he'd obviously left the scouts and was in the police force, but he was only like four or five years older than us. And it was like an episode of Law and Order. He walked down the paddock, he picked up the bomb container and then he looked at our house and just nodded his head like, yeah, case, <laughs> dun, dun, case closed. But and how kept, did he know? I oh, just knew because he knew where we lived. He knew there were four boys there. What kind of bomb? Oh, well, I don't want to say on the radio, but oh, yeah, it was, okay, it, we right, used yeah. it out of uh, making... Don't have to tell people how to make it. <laughs> I'm not saying instruct <laughs> people how to make it. This is how we found out that we were watching the news one night and Brian came on. You know, Brian told us so, Brian Naylor, and he said... 
two boys were arrested today in suburban Adelaide for making homemade bombs. And, like, you could hear a pin drop in our house. We're like, oh, my God, what? And then he said they made them by using this ingredient and this ingredient, both which we had. So, wow. so that sounds great. <laughs> like, oh my god! Can we be excused from the table, please, Dad? We went down there and we made these bombs, and um, yeah, and then it spread. People were making them a, a lot. Them and air rifles were big too. You know, I we, love an air rifle. Yeah, we, my, my we didn't, Dad wouldn't let us have one, but our friends had air rifles that we used yeah, to shoot right. things. Street lights mainly. <laughs> that's what we used. But yeah, we got. And then what happened was that so this cop Darren Jew, his name was he. That's his real name. He was holding the bombs, <laughs> and Dad arrived home early from work, and Dad was excited to see him because one of his former scouts in a in a police uniform. Mm. That's pretty exciting for Kev, and Kev and Mum goes. It was so embarrassing for your father. And uh, <laughs> Dad gets out. And he goes, "Great." Darren, how are you, mate? Darren just shuts him down. He goes, this is not a social visit, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> do you recognise uh, these containers? And uh, we're in the bushes. We're going, oh, don't, Kev. He's like, yeah, hey, they're from my garage. And we're like, oh, no. So we had to go up and explain. They had an Indian bomb expert who also came and poked it with a stick. He had a white jacket on like he was from the Pons Institute and stuff. And he picked them up with big tongs. He had these big tongs and he put them in a plastic bag, the containers. And then he was, because he said, I'm, the cop said, the big de- detective, there was a big detective in the station. He goes, this is um, uh, Raju, he's, uh, he's from assignment from India. He's on subcontinent here to Nutterwadding with a bomb squad. <laughs> like, what? what? Why have, they got, why have they got a bomb squad in Nanawati? Like, what's going on? And he couldn't work out what was in the bomb. So he's going, what was in the bomb? What did you put in the bomb? And we're like, oh, you know, this and this. And he's like, how did you know how to do that? And we're like, oh, Brian told us. This guy, Brian. He's like, who's Brian? The big cop's like, who's Brian? Who's Brian? And we're like, he's a newsreader. <laughs> Whereas today they would think he was some sort of Islamic state. Oh, oh, the things that we used to do. My brother made his own. My old brother Mark, who's mentioned a lot in the book, is quite naughty. Um, he used to make his own uniforms and a, and a um, and like a uh, not a flamethrower, like a thing that would shoot things, like a um, oh, what, oh, what would you call it? A, a, a bazooka. A bazooka. Oh. Oh. He made a he made a homemade bazooka. <laughs> And so he had a matching uniform and a matching bazooka and he would go and shoot it at trains and I don't know what he would do with it. But he, when they had a vandalism display up at uh, the Oval at Nutterwining, the police had one of these, um, you know, they had the helicopter there and, uh, you know, all the police standing around and for the youth to have a look at all the police. They had a vandalism display and uh, half of them were Mark Staff. He slingshot his bazooka <laughs> sitting on this table. And we're like, what, what are they? Excuse me, Constable, what are they? Oh, they're stuff that we uh, confiscated from a young man who's currently serving time in Toronto. And we're like, nah, he's at home. He's not serving time. <laughs> so, yeah, the stuff, we would have been arrested, no doubt about it. I really like all the details, the little details he put through that really give you a sense of that time. The other one that jumped out at me was you talking about going to the beach and your mum telling you to put some reef oil on and that making it, that getting a tan makes, oh, yeah, it, yeah, it makes yeah, it healthy. Yeah, but your mum, yeah, I think mum still says it. The tan makes you healthy. <laughs> and she would just well, you, You're like so pasty We as were well. all pasty, yeah, yeah. Dad tanned up well, actually. But, mom, yeah, we were all so white, very, you know, that really bog Irish, sort of white as white. And, yeah, we used to sit on the beach all day. Oh. Yeah, all day. Dad b- bought a block of land in Cape Patterson near Phillip Island for $800 in 1970. Oh. Yeah. Wow. I know. <laughs> Why didn't he buy five more? But anyway... He goes, oh, it's worth more than my house in Mitchamow. I can't believe it. But um, <laughs> as he points out, $800 was a lot of money back then, he tells me. 
So yeah, we used to go down there. We used to go down to Cape Patterson so much. We used, when we became teenagers, we got we used to call it Cape Boredom and Cape Dump. That was a, <laughs> <laughs> <it's> a <laughs> crazy. I uh. like your dad is such a great character, and I love. I was just been reading about um, when you had your first kiss. Very romantic. Oh yeah, at, <laughs> behind at, the guide hall. Yeah, yeah at a party. Uh, yeah. And your dad came and busted you because he would like to rock up to parties. Oh yeah, dad. Dad was one of those classic. Um, he he come in like this because this is what happened with my uh, one of my kids out there. One is a teenager. He goes, "Oh, don't come into the party, dad." I'm like, "I'm coming in." Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, they had like a they, you go, they have a disco party. Some of these 12, 13 year olds have a bit of a disco party, and everything's dark, and you walk in there like. But yeah, my you'd be in the. Dad would say, I'll come and pick you up at 11.30 when you're like 15 or something like that. You're like, mm. oh, you, you don't come in, Dad. No. Nah. So you'd be in the kitchen talking to girls and you'd just hear this voice or someone go, I think your dad's in the lounge room. <laughs> oh, no. And you'd look through that and you'd see my dad stand there in his scout uniform <laughs> talking to the youth of today. Tell them about scouts, how good it is, and they should join it. And, oh, yeah, you should join scouts. But yeah, mum and dad, mum's been reading the book and um, and just yelling out to dad, Kevin, listen to this. Can you believe this? So she's been learning stuff, apparently. How, how has your dad felt about it? No, he likes it. He's always liked a bit of fame. So it gives him a bit of uh, cachet at the post office and stuff. So, and um, uh, yeah, I mean, he's been, you know, I've had him on TV and stuff. Kev, he quite enjoys it, I think. Is there anyone in your family who you had to kind of check with first? And yeah. Go, Look, I'm including this bit. My twin brother, who features a lot, and I sent it to him, and he was quite, he's in Switzerland, he's quite happy. And um, my older brother, Trev, who features in it. A fair bit, and um, he was scared. What did he say to my other brother? He was scared of his portrayal in the book because Trev, <laughs> Trev was a classic older brother, so he's the oldest. There's four boys, and he's the oldest one. And so he did stuff like when mum and dad went. Um, they went over. They used to go away a lot. They went overseas. When I got my results, I down the beach house, and Trev took over the house, and he said to um, he said to us, "I'm going to run the house as a socialist republic." <laughs> and we're like, and we're all like, what does that mean? And my other brother goes, it means he takes your money and spends it. <laughs> and then he denies it, but I remember at him sitting there at the kitchen table because I'd been away and he, he goes, yeah, we're running this house as a socialist republic now. It's like, what? Uh, you, something else that you were talking about that we'd previously discussed, you say the 1980s were a boom time for pathetic attractions. You talk about Caribbean gardens. Oh, yeah, Gumboya yeah. Park. Gumboya oh, my Park. God. Yeah. Adventure, the Leisureland, there was Leisureland. Was there any in Aubrey or Wodonga? Did you have anyone uh, near there? No. Yeah, no, we had a... Um, We've spoken about this before on air. A, well, it was like some world and it was like a really small version of like a Questacon type oh, science yeah. museum thing on the causeway. Aubrey gets a mention in the book because I go to Vienna World on the way to Sydney. Oh, yeah, which, that was always very popular. Yeah, What's Vienna World? It's, it's a, just a bus stop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but with an Austrian restaurant that serves yeah, schnitzels. Yeah, what? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they'd stop there at like 11 o'clock at night and go, everyone get off. Because in the 80s, planes were too expensive. So we all caught the Firefly to Sydney to go and see bands and stuff. And mm. so and you'd, they, the bus driver would make you get off at Vienna World. Yeah. And they'd be like teenagers in Lederhausen serving your schnitzels and stuff. So it was that place where I never walked into the place because I had no reason to. Yeah, yeah. Like I knew, you, you know, the bus would stop there. Yeah, unless you worked there. You, mm. Yeah, they had... But yeah, I talk a lot about Caribbean Gardens um, going. You see, out of Caribbean Gardens a lot. Well, they had a submarine that was supposed to go underwater, but it just stayed and just sprayed water on the windows. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but it was it's still there today, <laughs> like as is. Wobby's World. You're talking about Wobby's World which mm. is on Springvale Road. We've had the helicopter and stuff too, and that that was tragic. And I actually found my diary from like 985, and it wasn't one of those dear diaries. It just had dates and things I was doing. And on a Saturday night in August, it just had Wobby's World. <laughs> Why was I going to Wobby's World on a Saturday night? Yeah. <laughs> what was I doing? Um, another story that uh, I thought was very funny was about the time you played a role in Lindy Morrison from the Go-Betweens eventually becoming a social worker. Oh, yeah. Let's see, we we, did, we we never been to bands. Like, we went and saw bands, like, you know, bought tickets to Devo and Madness, but they played at Festival Hall and, you know, the, the Palais and stuff. But that was the first underage, uh, sorry, pub gig we've ever been to. We were all underage, so we got a fake ID and we got the train to St Kilda. And we got there so early, we rocked up and the go-betweens were playing on stage. There was no one else there. And we're like, oh, this is awesome. So we went down the front and they stopped playing. And the and Lindy, the drummer, goes, are you boys here to see the models? And we're like, yeah. And she goes, well, yeah, this is our sound check. It's like <laughs> 6.30 at night. <laughs> we got there so early. We had no concept. <laughs> She was really nice to us, whereas you can see Robin and Grant, the other guys at the go-between, just looking at us like, who are these freaks? They're so early. Just yeah, so, so eager up the front. Yeah, up the front, up the front. Wow, the go-between. Because, you know, we do the go-betweens on Triple R. We love the go-betweens. Oh, so funny. But I, I do talk about Triple R in the last chapter, about how it was really important in my uh, youth, in my childhood growing up and stuff. So, yeah, but you've got to get to the last chapter for that bit. I talk about Bodan, who... Yeah, yeah, he was an announcer on here yeah, for a long time. He didn't uh, have much of an opinion of your band. No, he hated our <laughs> band. But, that, you know, I remember turning up to Triple R to do an interview. He used to do a Friday night and we just buzzed the intercom. We were like, oh, we're here for an interview. Uh, it's Captain Coco. And he goes, no, I haven't got nothing down for you. No, you are not. You don't have an interview. And then he goes, oh, whatever, come in. <laughs> <laughs> See, that wouldn't happen anymore. <laughs> Oh, no, you're giving it a shot. Yeah, you're giving it a shot, yeah. you? Just yeah. turn up. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Please yeah. don't do that. I'll, I'll interview you. Yeah, yeah, come on. Not, not during breakfast, but I reckon, yeah, maybe during the on-sunset on Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> but he put out the call on Triple A. He was doing a film clip at Richmond Station for his new single. And it's on it's on YouTube. We are different. We are free. It was like a punk anthem. And he goes, I want all you punk rockers to turn up. A Saturday, 10 a.m. and the footy was on. So it's going to be problematic. <laughs> we are different. We are free. Yeah, 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 we are different. We are free. And uh, I looked up the other day because you can see some of my... And so we turn up and seriously, it was just like about 20, 15-year-olds <laughs> dressed up like punks going to a costume party. <laughs> and Bodan looked so disappointed. <laughs> and what he did, he lined everyone up and he went like this. Yes, yes, no, no. You're, you're up the back. You're up the back. You're up the front. You're up the front. <laughs> you're not different and free enough. <laughs> you're not different and free. Oh, yeah. uh, great great memories. memories. Summer of 82. <laughs> it's out now via Nero Books. We've been talking to Dave O'Neill. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Jeff, you're a big sports fan. Huge. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Huge. <laughs> Uh, so, obviously, being sarcastic. Um, <laughs> but I did not we see thought that. we could help you out and maybe come up with some um, helpful tips for things that you can say in conversation to make it look like you are a sports fan. Really? That is very kind of you to do that. We could do that. Our listeners, you can help whenever you want as well. 938 1027. Oh, <laughs> I can call and help me. I know. <laughs> 
Well, let's start with. Um, oh, here we go. This one already. Um, well, what we'll is that? Start... Well, it, well, it might not be. It might not be someone. It might oh, not be. God, I hate this hell of just putting <laughs> someone live to air. Oh, no, they've gone. No. Oh, there we go. Thank God for that. Phew. Uh, anyway, so let's start with Because mm. when I went to the um, that women's exhibition match a couple of weeks ago, yes. I took along a, a, a French um, backpacker. Um, ah. back, you know, she was staying. Did you find her in a yeah, forest? Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I went, hello. And she went, bonjour. And I went, bonjour. <laughs> jump in the bag. Yeah. Do you want to come to the footy? And she went, wee. And then, so we went to the football. Wee, wee. No, uh, but it was. I was explaining. <laughs> she was staying with Kath's parents. Um, ah, okay. Couch surfing. So Airbnb. I don't know. She was there. So we took her to the football. Did she want to go? Or did you just make? Oh it go? yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. She said wee wee. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she's felt older again. Not, not, yeah, not. Clear, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no. She was very much into it, and it was the women's match, so it's different, you know. And so I was trying to explain to her, um, you know, things that you know. You could yell out. You could yell out. And like, I'm like, putain. mate. Just <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, mate, if all else fails, just yell out ball. So oh, whenever you're at the football. True. Yeah. Love a just ball. yell out yeah. ball. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, sh- it's shortened for holding holding the ball. Oh. Mm. So next. So whenever kind of players go to ground or someone's tackled or anything that happens really intensely around the ball, yeah. you just jump up and go, ball. ball. So next time Dono comes in to do his sports report, halfway through I should just shout out ball in a loud voice. Well, yeah, well, yeah, well you got to pick your times. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Have your moments. Yeah. Also, I find one that works is get around it, mate. Oh, oh, yeah. Get around it, mate, can mean anything. Yeah. What about get amongst it? Yeah, mm. that could... No, maybe, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that could work. Yeah, yeah. Get amongst it. Also, what about down the centre? I find this the footy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Take it down the middle. Take it down the middle. That's my favourite oh. thing to yell out the footy when everything's going wrong. I just say yeah. take it down the middle. Well, that's well. This is all very handy when we have these conversations about these football games. I'll just yeah. ask question: Did they get around it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> No, well, get around it can also mean other things, so maybe maybe don't ask that question. Oh, it's such a minefield. (laughs) What's something, actually, what is something that you could say in, like, if you're standing at the water cooler Mm. and someone says, oh, just see that game on the weekend, what's a good thing? What's, like, a general footy thing that you can say? Don't you have anything else to do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess you'd have to... yeah, I mean, there's the classic. You say something like, "How about those doggies?" Hey, how about the doggies? Or what about how about the umps that umpiring? Oh yeah, um, go, oh, the umps. go neutral I, I territory. Yeah, I feel yeah. like "how about" sort of works in any context. Yeah, in any conversation. yeah, it's true. How about the umps? How also? about the weekend? How about how about football? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about footy? How about Ooh, those boys? Did you see that? Did they get around it, mate? Like, did you? They went straight up the middle. <laughs> But if you find the classics in there, like, oh, did you I'm see totally that gonna kick? Do this. Oh, did you see that mark? And they and then they'll go, oh, boy. It's like, yeah, 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 that was it. That was it. Did you see that? Whoa. So basically, you're saying you can have an entire communication of people just repeating cliches yes. to each other. Yes, that is that's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> that is football. Yeah, that is literally football. There's AFL, but then if you want to spread that to other sports. Yeah, or just know. life generally. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like it, for it's soccer, I love well to a certain degree, but f- I find that if you're talking with soccer fans, it's always oh, what a beautiful! It's such a beautiful game. It's oh. beautiful, oh, beautiful game. game. Yeah, beautiful game. Yeah. What that, if it's not a beautiful game? And they're like, it is not a beautiful <laughs> game. Well, no, <laughs> they're, they're not a real soccer no. fan. <laughs> no. 
Every, <laughs> every soccer fan knows that it's a beautiful game. I will ah. defy you finding... Soccer, well, if they're a fan, they're hardly going to say, oh, look, well, it's a really ugly game, isn't yeah, it? Exactly. Let's be honest. Exactly. That's why you say it's a beautiful game. Someone's ringing up, please. Let's see. We'll take okay. a chance. Hello, you're on Triple R. Hang on. You there? Yeah, yes. mate. How are you going? Well, you're basically dealing with the problem of foreign languages, you know, where you learn two phrases and you're over there and you say your two phrases and they come back with this great tornado of information. And <laughs> oh, like, true. Oh. Yeah, that's, all, that's all I know. I think it's sufficient just to say, mate. (laughs) (laughs) This is very true. This is very true. I think mate does it every time. It's non-committal, but you're so in there, you know. You're you're obviously in group. Yeah, I can't help that. No, that helped a lot. That is great advice. More or less prepared for next Monday's conversation. (laughs) I'm sure someone's going to ring up and do the IT crowd bunnies, which is, did you see that ludicrous display last night? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thanks, mate. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that, is that from the IT crowd? I forgot yeah. that. Did you see that ludicrous cr- Yes. So there you go, Jeff. Do you feel like you're... No, I'm totally prepared now. I'll get amongst it. So... Now, the Vic 100 Festival of Wine will bring the best wine from across Victoria to the heart of Melbourne where you can taste the wine, meet the makers and take home your favourites all in an afternoon's work. Here to talk more about the festival is its director, Angie Bradbury. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. You've been, we've been so excited about you <laughs> yeah. coming in. We're like, we get to wine, talk about wine, wine on wine, Friday. Wine. Uh, I know, and at this time of the morning too. How perfect. I know, we get yeah. to knock off and crack a bottle. Well, yeah, we're nearly, our working week's almost well, done. Well, hours. I did bring a couple of bottles for you girls this, did you? this did morning you? from the top 100. Stop so it. We got, be right. we got special instruction, <laughs> no wine tasting on air. <laughs> well, we'll we can have it for up. later. Yes, yeah, 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 definitely. Thank you. Uh, so can we say, like, besides plenty of tasting at this festival, what else can we get out of it? Well, I think one of the best things about what we're trying to do with the Vic 100 is really allow people to discover the diversity and some of the just amazing different wine styles that are grown in Victoria. People think they have to taste from all over the world, but really they're all here in our backyard. So, um, but you know, first, not everybody just wants to drink wine or all afternoon. So uh, we've got the guys from Mountain Goat who will be doing some he beers for Mountain Goat, oh, refreshing Mountain beer, Goat. Yeah. and uh, Four Pillars Gin from out in uh, Hillsville will be there. Jeff, so Jeff is not here today. Is the biggest gin aficionado that we know of. He actually brought us gin one morning to try at six fifteen in the morning. Oh, yeah, special <laughs> gin, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's going to be so excited about that. I feel just yeah. for him. Just for him. Yeah. Yeah, and we've look, and of course when you're drinking, gotta be responsible. You need to make sure that you're eating as well. So line the stomach as my dad would say. <laughs> line your stomach, that's right. So uh, we've got some of the perfect wine accompaniments from the guys at uh, Yarra Valley Dairy who will be doing cheese tasting. Oh, I thought you were gonna say they'll be giving out glasses of milk, which again is <laughs> yeah, exactly. a dad's advice. Just have a glass <laughs> of milk before you go out. Yeah, milk and red wine, not quite no. sure how that combo goes. But uh, you know, good soft cheese from the Yarra Valley can uh, work perfectly. Beautiful. Perfect. So you do, the Vic 100, it is, you're talking about the 100 best wines in Victoria. Yeah. According to who? 
Well, according to our judging panel, so oh. we run it like a traditional wine show where we call for entries from winemakers across the state uh, a couple of months ago. We had mm, over 600 entries into the show and then we run a full, it was actually two and a half days with a eight-person judging panel where all the wines are tasted blind by multiple judges. They're all scored and ranked um, and then we filter that through by by variety and by region to come up with the top 100. Mm. So what makes a good wine? Well, isn't that's an a fa- absolutely fantastic question, and I think one of the most important things is wine. People seem to get really worried about wine, and you know it's angst-ridden. And what am I going to buy? And you know mm-hmm. what am I going to take to dinner? And all that sort of stuff. But the most important thing is to drink what you like. Yes. And I think for any wine person out there, will always say the same thing: drink the styles that you like. But what does make a great wine is you're looking for balance in any wine. You want all the components that are in the glass, you know, to feel like they're meant to be there. So you don't want anything that's sort of like too acidic or you don't want anything that's too oaky or too alcoholic even. So if I go into a shop, as I do often, to buy a bottle of wine, yeah. for I'm going away tonight and I'm going to buy a bottle of red wine and I just want to spend like 20 bucks. Is there a way to get a guarantee that I'm picking up a good bottle of wine? Because you know what I do. I usually go along and go, there's a $35 bottle that's on sale for 20 That's got to be good. And I pick it up and I take it. But is there – what am I meant to be looking for that might signal that a bottle that's not super expensive is good? Yeah, oh, look, that you can get absolutely fantastic wines at just about any price point. So yeah. what you're really looking for is, you know, varieties that match well at certain prices. So something like Pinot Noir that everybody loves. Pinot Noir is a really hard grape to grow. Um, it yields really low and is really hard to make well. So Pinot at lower price points is often not, uh-huh. you know, really? that's a can, good can, can be a little bit more challenging because it's hard to make Pinot cheap. That has changed my life because I'll often go with Pinot because I think it's an easy drink, so I'll pick that up when oh, it's cheap. You, good. My, I would be backing you into something like, um, sh- you know, particularly Shiraz-based yes, wines if you like it. Love um, Shiraz. But there's a wine in the Vic 100 this year. It's a Shiraz Grenache blend and it comes from De Bordelier from Heathcote and the Grenache makes it soft and juicy and not as big and, you know, buffy as some Shiraz can be. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I can't, I'm not going to quote the exact price for you here, but I reckon it's in a, it's in and around the twenty dollar price point. Um, so you know those sorts of styles are much, you know Shiraz is a much easier grape to grow than Pinot Noir. So and similar sorts of things as well. You know like Riesling and Sauvignon Blanc are really simple and you know easier varieties to grow. Something like Chardonnay can be a bit more complex and take a bit more time. So again, that sort of you know relates a little bit to price point. My sister always says because I love Shiraz, so oh, Shiraz is often my my go to. But I she always says just go for the one that's been the is the oldest. So if there's like a, a twenty buck one that's got uh, two thousand and twelve and two thousand and seven, <coughs> two thousand and sixteen. Is there any truth to that, or is that just well, you know, there's a bit of a great uh, fallacy. Then the simple thing I can say is good wine never uh, bad wine never gets better. And wine oh. doesn't get better forever. Oh. So there's a bit of a thought that, you know, old wine, oh, it's old, it's got to be great. Every wine will fall over at some point in time. They will all have a window where they get a little bit, you know, where they get better with time and then they will always, as people do, you know, they will decline into old age at some point. So <laughs> what about when, they, you know, people say something like, oh, that 2007 Merlot, that's a lovely drop. 
Like what? <laughs> just like that. <laughs> yeah, just like that. What are they like? Are there certain? Why are certain years better than others, or is that a myth as well? No, look, it, it, it's absolutely not. So each, you know, Mother Nature does her thing for wine um, for grape growers every single year, and so think about um, a year. Like, well, even just the season past, you know, like it wasn't outrageously hot. Everything worked really, really well. You know, got nice spring rain, nice and warm early in the season, not too many frosts, and then didn't get really crazy burning hot or, you know, really big storms over summer. So the quality of the fruit on the vines, you know, matures. So this is going to really be a good well. year. So this is going to be a good year. But reflect back on to, uh, you know, years when you have a really big fire season or something like that and, you know, a lot of the wine-growing regions were quite badly affected. You know, you have big issues there as well. A couple of years ago, frost at the wrong time, around you know, in the early spring can have a massive impact on quality of fruit or really heavy rains in autumn when the fruit's still, you know, on the vine, gets really wet. Socks, soaks up the fruit soaks up a lot of water and it dilutes the natural flavors in the berries so yes those things this is a good vintage that's a bad vintage but it's never a blanket rule because every region and growing location will um you know deal with weather conditions differently so be a little bit careful with the you know all wines from 07 are amazing right. and all wines from 09 were terrible you know there's a bit of a thing where you go out and if someone says get a french bottle of wine or get a whatever bottle of, you know from a, in terms of i clearly just drink red uh but in terms of the ranking of australia in reds are we up there in the world like what other what other country would you go or oh, maybe grab a bottle from there oh look i mean you can get Again, great wine from just about any wine-producing yeah. country. There's amazing wines from Chile. There's amazing wines from France, Spain, Italy. There's really average wines in each of those countries as well. So, again, back the variety, variety country, region thing yeah. and go for the classics. So if you want to drink Pinot Noir from France, buying, you know, you're buying Burgundy. If you want to buy Sangiovese, Chianti, you know, Chianti Classico is a great Italian wine, great for a pizza on a Friday night. Yeah. And you can get some amazing Chiantis at sub-20 price points imported into Australia. But, you know, I'm I'm a very parochial Victorian, so, you know, I will always push you back to, you know, if you like those wines. The King Valley does amazing Italian wine styles. Oh, Wow. So Sangiovese's, Barbera's, Nebbiolo's from people in the King Valley and, uh, you know, those wines are amazing. Uh, what are your thoughts on boxed wine? <laughs> I was waiting for this question. Oh, I get asked the good old cask wine question all the time. I mean, the fact of the matter is, personally, you know, I'm I'm not a, a huge supporter of it because a lot of cask wine does lead to, you know, is abused in some communities because it's so cheap and it's cheaper than water. So I'm not a big supporter oh, of cask wine personally, right? But the fact of the matter is there can be, you know, if you're looking for something just to have in the fridge and have a glass of during, you know, cask wines the two litre casks for guys like Yolumba De Bordley um, doing those sort of two litre casks um, smaller cask formats can be you know completely fine I like it because it's always there and you don't and, and we need wine to be always there yeah and you yeah. don't have to like I kind of feel like once you crack open a bottle then it's I feel like it has to be finished in you know one or two days whereas the box it's 
just there. Yes, but it won't, but it will still oxidise. But so I will finish it oxidize. well before that. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah, look, I mean, and it is a convenience formats for wine is a really tough thing. Half bottles are expensive, you yeah. know, um, so casks provide a really good format, particularly for people who might live by themselves. Yeah. I'm pretty pretty sure that Fruity Alexia ruined <laughs> my entire teenage hood. Many of us yeah. got ruined <laughs> once or twice on that. Uh, yeah. uh, before we let you go, just one more thing, um, uh, two more things. What, do you, what is your advice on um, avoiding red wine lips and do you have any hangover tips? Ah, so red wine lips, I think the most important thing is is you know, to use some form of lip balm and, uh, you know, is always a good thing. And as you get later on in the night, you know, try not to put your whole mouth into the glass. Um, is a pretty good one. I'm like the queen of red wine lips. Oh, that's amazing. Lip balm. Oh, wow. A I had no idea. That's a Acts good tip. a natural barrier. The wine can't get in there. Bit of Vaseline. So bit of Vaseline. Bit of Vaseline works a treat. Hangover. Is there any great cure for a hangover? There is a truth, I think, to drink better wake up better so mm. ah, glass know, of water well no, and drink better, better wine quality oh, wine right. you know, like, oh, um, yeah I, I keep thinking that that's going to make yeah. me all feel fine tomorrow morning but uh the good old have a glass of wine have a glass of water is always a good bet and uh there's no real there isn't is there? magic cure for the hangover it's just time and hydration unfortunately and avoid oh, fruity well. alexia yeah true well that. that's true for many uh, for a lot more reasons than just that <laughs> <laughs> the Vic 100 Festival of Wine is at the Atrium at Fred Square this Saturday. We've been talking to the director, Angie Bradbury. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Thanks, Angie. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.